Hello, and welcome to the Four Elements of Healthcare podcast, the podcast where we explore healthcare as it relates to the patient's perspective. I'm your host, Vasant Kankuriam, internist, pediatrician, and mini cupcake baker. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Four Elements of Healthcare podcast. Radiology is quite an expensive service, where CAT scans and MRIs can commonly cost thousands of dollars. But did you know that with the right research and support, it may only cost you several hundred? Joining us today to learn about how to shop for your radiology services is Lucas Takahashi, the CEO and co-founder of Medmo. Lucas has a wide range of experience driving positive outcomes at both the startup and established publicly traded companies. And prior to his current role, he worked at Axiom, a venture-backed legal services marketplace where he led finance team focused on growth strategy. Prior to that, he held various positions at BlackRock and GE Capital. He graduated from the Smeal College of Business at the Pennsylvania State University and is passionate about helping patients make the best decisions possible for their health and believes that shopping for medical services should be more widely practiced. Welcome aboard, Lucas. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, you know, many of us agree, right, that today's healthcare doesn't work. It's, it's not patient-centered. It's not easy to understand. You know, it has caveats and exclusions, and it's pretty darn expensive, right? Well, actually, $3.6 trillion expensive, of which only 27% actually goes to paying healthcare providers, right? So, you know, recently we've talked so much about healthcare and heroes in healthcare, but if you actually think about it, what they get is a fraction of the total cost. So, you know, there are so many pieces of healthcare that are expensive, radiology being one of them. And just like direct primary care is trying to make access affordable and high quality, you know, companies such as yourselves are trying to make radiology more affordable and accessible. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what your company does and the impetus behind its creation and and how it works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, like, like you alluded to, I mean, there's, there's a lot to solve in healthcare, right? And I think it'll take time. And, you know, what we focus on is, is a big chunk of uh, that healthcare spends. Uh, medical imaging is a huge part of that. But we really are doing that because we want to take a bite-sized kind of like solution and, and not chew off more than uh, we think we can handle. And by doing so, being focused. And Menmo focuses on medical imaging, and really the spirit of what we're doing is we found that even the best freestanding imaging centers across the country have unused capacity. Uh, They have canceled appointments that happen throughout the day. They have unbooked time. And when you uh, consider the fact that these imaging centers could actually be open 24-7, they could run their machines at night or on the weekends, uh, they're kind of massively underutilized to some degree. And on the flip side, uh, Americans struggle to afford healthcare when it comes to MRIs and CTs and you know ultrasounds, mammograms. These are hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars in costs. And just like every other industry that has kind of a, a Priceline.com model or a Hotelsonight.com model, we kind of took that model and brought it to medical imaging, uh, and we thought it would work. And basically, we were able to negotiate um, with these providers and get massive discounts with patients paying cash. And that marketplace started to spool up really quickly. We got a lot of traction there. And we also found that by building this network of these imaging providers that were willing to negotiate and help our patients, we actually built a marketplace that was just extremely convenient as well. We were able to get patients their tests faster, closer to them uh, during their own uh, time slots that they were suggesting as well and matching that criteria. And it got to the point where we actually started taking on insured patients Um, So we are kind of where we are today is we're a one-stop shop where if you need medical imaging, you come to us, you tell us what you need, 
what times you're free, how far you can travel, and most importantly, we help you think through how you should pay. If you want to use your insurance, we can talk to you about your deductible, um, help you compare those estimated costs to what our cash pay rates are, and help that patient decide which one makes more sense, which is actually kind of a complicated decision. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in a second, but uh, we basically work with all types of patients and they can benefit from convenience, uh, but also most importantly, the cash pay savings when it makes sense for them to do that. So let me pause there. Does that kind of set the stage? Yeah. And so, you know, what I hear you say is that, you know, so many of these imaging centers, you know, actually have capacity that's not used, right? So we, we hear about struggles to, you know, can't get my ultrasound for three weeks or four weeks. And yet at the same time, there are centers that have the tools, but yet um, are not seeing those folks. Is it, why do you think that is? Is it because of, you know, work-life balance and, and scheduling? Is it, uh, um, what, what, what comes in the way of giving that access if it's there? Yeah, it's a great question. There's a few uh, variables driving that. Uh, one, uh, we find that referring, uh, referring physicians are sending patients to the same place over and over again, uh, even when there could be a place that's closer to where the patient's home is uh, and has faster availability. And the truth is, um, there's just no good tools to really understand that and be able to search those providers in an efficient way. Two is, for those imaging providers, they think their schedules are full sometimes, but then the cancellations happen the day of, right, or the day before. And it's not easy to just grab patients out of thin air and then fill them in those unused time slots uh, without tools like Menmo. And the last thing I'll say is, when I allude to these off-hours book uh, scheduling and booking they can do, they, they can hypothetically do that, but again, it doesn't make sense to keep a technician for three hours if we're just going to have one patient come in. They need a tool where they can line up a whole bunch of patients in these off hours to make it economically sound and reasonable for them to stay open late and do those things. So uh, the truth, in my opinion, is that there's no good tools to help the physicians know where the next best um, high-quality test is for that patient based on the criteria of that patient, whether it be their insurance needs, their time and location needs, um, or if they want to pay cash. And let's talk about that money piece for a second, right? And, and you alluded to this, and you know, let me you know, give you a few examples, right? You know, CAT scans typically, if you have insurance, are billed at I don't know anywhere from at least a thousand three hundred bucks up, perhaps, right? Um, your costs are about a third of that, and, and yet there's also you know, money is this big mystery in healthcare. You know, I recently had two ultrasounds. Interestingly enough, one was in um, an outpatient center, and the cost of that was roughly around you know five hundred, six hundred bucks, and another one was in a hospital setting. Uh, even though it was outpatient, and that was a thousand or so, right? And, and so it's the same exact test, and yet we have wide cost fluctuations. Help help our listeners understand, you know, why is it that there are such differences between costs in a perhaps in a hospital setting and the outpatient setting, and then even in the outpatient setting, how are your costs so different than what people are getting if they go through insurance? Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great mystery, and it's, it's a huge problem. Uh, and, you know, th the short answer is it's just a transparency issue, right? Um, you could have the same MRI machine right here in New York City across the street from each other, same quality of radiologist interpretation. They're both, uh, you know, in network of Cigna, but one center's $900 out of pocket, or sorry, that's going to be the cost for the patient, and one's going to be 500 And the, the only difference between the two is the fact that one center was able to negotiate with Cigna better than the other. And there's no way for a patient or a referring provider to easily know that that is price disconnect exists. And that's across the street here in New York City. 
you know, when you go state by state, it's crazy how wide these pricing um, uh, uh, disconnects are. And we've, we've had patients fly from out of state, come to New York, where we have a larger imaging network, uh, spend the night, see a Broadway show, get their test and go home and spend about the same that they were going to have to pay if they just stayed and got their tests in their hometown. That's how bad the pricing disconnect is. And again, it comes through a transparency thing and an awareness thing. Um, so we think that there's a lot of pricing tools out there um, that, that are helpful, but patients don't proactively use those. Um, so it's all about getting the physicians to understand this pricing disconnect. Um, and I think it's going to take a really long time to kind of even out the market in the playing field. Um, but, we, you know, like you're alluding to, if a patient just spends an extra five minutes and calls a few different centers, they can get a better price. But patients don't proactively do that a lot of times. And that's, that's also a real big part of this. And, and um, I think the reality of it, like you say, is that, you know, money makes a difference. And, you know, I've been sort of, you know, stressing this multiple times in, in various episodes is that in healthcare, we are not taught to talk about money. And, you know, you don't buy any other product without knowing how much you're paying for it. And yet you're willing to buy a CAT scan, you're willing to buy a surgery, whatever it might be, without even knowing, um, you know, what you're actually paying for. So, you know, it sounds like that transparency piece is sort of a fundamental pillar of what you're trying to do. Um, and, and it's almost like medical tourism in a way, the way you describe, you know, come to New York, see a Broadway show, get your scan and fly out. Yeah, it, it feels that way. And, you know, um, a lot of times too, in, um, in, in the physician's defense, you're not always, you don't always have the tools to know what the prices are. Even if a patient asks, it's kind of an awkward conversation to start because we're not always trained to do that. But we don't always have the tools to answer that question. It's like, hey, you got to call your insurance company to find that provider or call the imaging center to get that, to get that pricing. And, you know, it's not always an easy conversation to have. And that's what we try to solve. And, you know, the answer to the second part of your question before about how are we able to get our rates, cash pay rates so much lower, it really comes back to the spirit of our model, which is just better efficiency and uh, filling unused time slots. And by getting these providers and building them a tool where they can, with a few clicks of a button, you know, fill up these unused time slots, they truly believe it's accretive to their business. And it was time that would otherwise be unused. The technician is there, the machines are running. And, and because of that, we're able to negotiate a rate where they're comfortable with and are getting some dollars versus no dollars. On the flip side, patients save a lot. So we like to think it's a win-win. What do you think people don't know about, you know, cash pay options for imaging? And, you know, and, you know, like I said, it's sort of interesting because, um, you know, there's this big sort of hidden secret of cost. Um, you're, you're right. Physicians don't necessarily know the cost, but I find it very interesting because on the medical side, when you're talking about sort of, um, you know, medical physicians, uh, cost is, you know, we're not trained to talk about the money as well, but yet, you know, when you talk about other folks, in similar capacities, but other fields, you know, uh, uh, optometrists, dentists, um, you know, talking about money and how much an extraction of the tooth costs or whatever is, is far more comfortable. So why do you think that is from the medical side, but also um, why do you think people just don't know that you can actually just ask and try to see if um, there's something you can do? There's, there's a lot of different factors. This is a, this is a huge problem. And I think, um, I think it'll evolve over time. I think, you know, this whole thing is, is kind of flows into the consumerism of healthcare. And I think a lot of people are expecting that to happen overnight and happen within the next two or three years. I think it's going to take a lot longer. You know, first and foremost, it's an educational thing. I think only like, it's something like only one out of 10 Americans can tell you or articulate what a premium is, what a deductible is, what a copay is, what a max out-of-pocket spend is, and then actually tell you what the numbers are for their insurance plan. 
nobody knows what this stuff means, right? And they, they don't understand their insurance. They're not even going to undercomprehend a deductible and a cash pay and these other options. Two is, you know, people associate, uh, especially when it comes to healthcare, that the more money you spend, the better the outcomes, which is true in some cases, but it's also not true in a lot of cases, right? And how does a patient get comfortable making that decision when it's okay for them to shop for healthcare and they won't be sacrificing quality versus when it's not okay, right? And, you know, because of that and all those things combined, people listen to their physicians. Um, at the end of the day, even if you increase deductibles and increase how much things cost, I believe that patients are always going to say, Dr. So-and-so who I trust, what should I do? And they're going to just 90% of the time listen to what that physician does or tells them where to go. They're not going to pause and go shop for healthcare. Um, now, I think that that will, again, evolve over time. I think there's a lot of younger generations coming off of their family you know, insurance plans. And there's things like Oscar Health that are starting to be innovative, One Medical's innovative models, you know, or at least in the media enough where like, people start to think about these things. Um, and hopefully people get more and more educated, but it's going to start with the education of how this works. It's, it's a lot of complicated decisions thinking about, should I use my insurance or should, should I pay cash? Um, so that's why we lean on partnering physicians to kind of champion our model and help patients understand and get comfortable that will help them, you know, to talk about pricing and talk about cash pay. And by educating them with us, we hope that when they go for the next type of appointment that they might need in the future, they say, hey, I shop for something like an MRI. Can I, can I apply that practice here in this situation and go from there? But it will take time. It will take time. Um, but there's a lot of variables driving into this. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because even, um, you know, for my patients, uh, for new patients, um, I allow them to interview me, right? <laughs> I think it's interesting, you know, uh, I encourage them to sh shop for your doctor, right? It's, you know, yeah. these are folks that you are trusting your life with. Um, of course, you should shop for them, right? It, it, because uh, you've got to see, is it the right fit? Is it the, is it affordable? Or is your practice style similar to yours? And yet there's so much of medicine where you don't, or, or folks are trained to think, that they don't have a choice and that you just have to go to whoever's assigned to you. Um, but you actually might have a lot more options than you think you do. Yep. Yep. And I, I think we need more physicians like you <laughs> just as a response to that. Um, but the average, yeah, the average relationship isn't always like that. And I think it's just a complete lack of awareness that as a patient, that you can or should be shopping for healthcare, right? Um, and, and just like you would anything else. I think there's a balance though, right? Like we're gonna wanna decide what are things that make sense for uh, the average patient to go shop for on their own? What are things that they should be kind of leaning on their referring physician for guidance? Um, you know, it's gonna be a delicate balance. We don't wanna go too extreme to have patients kind of controlling all of their healthcare kind of roadmaps and destinies, right? There's a reason why that doesn't happen today. but. I think it's swayed one way way too far and we need to be more balanced and give a little bit more control back to patients in a controlled, uh, in a controlled way. Correct. And, and like, you know, for example, right. I mean, if folks are just ordering their own imaging left and right, you know, there, there's a, there's an application of the test that comes with, you know, being a doctor and going through your training. Right. So, I mean, you know, something that might be totally insignificant on a test, which might be a finding might, you know, be turned into a problem that isn't really a problem. So um, yeah, I hear you. I agree. It's, you know, you, you have to have that sort of a, a quarterback or that filter who says, yeah, you know what, this is really not important or yeah, this is important. Right. Uh, right. You know, tell me that, you know, we've talked a lot about money. So I'm curious and I'm sure our listeners want to know how much money have you saved your patients? 
Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great question. Um, we, uh, short answer is we've saved uh, almost $500,000 uh, since inception for our patients, half a million. And going into next year, we expect that to be a few million dollars. That's just for our self-pay patients. But the reason I kind of, um, uh, it's, it's not easy to answer and it's kind of more of a conservative number is I don't always know when patients pay cash, how many of them are those educated buyers that um, know they have a high deductible and instead of using insurance, pay self-pay versus someone who doesn't have insurance at all and they would have been paying self-pay anyway. So it, it could be a much larger number depending on how we compare our cash pay rates, our discounted cash pay rates to if they were going to pay it in the hospital with their insurance or not. Um, but, you know, we'll be north of saving patients millions of dollars a year going into next year, which is pretty exciting. Fascinating. Excellent. Excellent. And even if, especially if they have high deductibles, um, you know, then they're actually saving a huge piece of it because they probably wouldn't meet their deductible if they've got, you know, deductibles of eight to 10,000 as uh, being a family. So fantastic. Exactly. Spot on. So what, what about like, you know, so we've talked about some of those. What about imaging um, that's sort of specialized imaging, right? Like what about echocardiograms? What about stress tests? Where do you see that going and, and what, what are your plans as a company for, um, you know, potentially exploring, you know, non sort of traditional radiology, but yet still radiology? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. We, the short answer is we want to get them involved as fast as possible, but we want to just do it in a focused way. You know, the, the core market that we focus on is, you know, MRI, CTs, ultrasounds, mammograms, x-rays, and that is just a tremendously massive market. Um, and, what we're really focused on is just mastering our craft there and being really good at, at one thing right now. But as we start to build that out, yeah, sure. We, we would love to start talking to the cardiologists, getting the, you know, being able to offer echoes and things of that nature. So I would say it's on, on the roadmap. I think there's a lot of other um, healthcare verticals that this model could be very applicable to. Um, some other verticals, not so much, um, but there's definitely a lot more room to grow. But just given how large the market is that we're playing in now, we're just trying to really master our craft and build a brand there before we start getting into the specialties. But it's definitely uh, a, a, an ongoing discussion in the background of all this. And so, uh, you know, as as we talk about that, and as we talk about the business model of radiology evolving over the years, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, my uncle was a radiologist, um, and you know, it was sort of the coolest thing when he was actually at home when he was on call using their dial-up modem and, and reading images from home, um, you know, and, and so we've come such a long way from there to the point where actually now as a primary care doc, I actually have a, um, a, a little ultrasound probe that connects to my iPhone, which allows me to do ultrasounds, um, you know, uh, at the bedside, right? So it, things are drastically changing. Where do you see, um, you know, from your perspective, you know, being in the business of, um, you know, radiology, imaging, and access. Where do you see this going in the next five years? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting question, and it's interesting to think about it, how this uh, question would be answered before and after COVID. Um, I don't know if it changes too much, but just something to think about. You know, I, I think five years from now, like the core kind of medical imaging, the way it's used in practice today will probably be a lot of the same, MRI, CTs, you know, you name it. You know, healthcare is one of those industries where as technology gets better, it usually gets more and more expensive for the end user, unfortunately. Um, I think that trend will continue. However, um, you know, you do see some disruptors coming into play. There's a company called uh, Nanox, N-A-N-O-X, and uh, they're, they're brand new. Um, they made these kind of full body x-ray machines that are portable, and the idea is that they can be more accessible and, you know, fit into an urgent care, fit into a PCP office, 
um, and help people with more pre preventative screenings. You know, uh, this is really focused on, on cost. Those scans are, are much cheaper. And if it can lead to better out outcomes versus just be another layer of routine imaging that happens, it could make a big impact. Uh, it's too soon to tell how that will work out. But what's interesting is just seeing capital investment going into disruptors that are more focused on, you know, cost of outcomes and not just outcomes in general, which I think is great. On the flip side of this, I think you will continue to see a lot of money going into buzzwords like AI this and that, especially in diagnostic you know, imaging. Um, I don't think you could ever replace a radiologist, but I think you could definitely support them. And there's some innovative stuff coming out. Some of it is a little bit more fluffy and I'm a little skeptical about, but we'll see how that plays out. Um, but one, one group is called Metabis, and they do augmented reality where they take MRI images and translate them into these beautiful and very detailed 3D images and surgeons wear these uh, augmented reality glasses while they're doing invasive surgery and so is the rest of their team and before they even you know operate on the patient they can practice and see the actual images or the actual internal you know side of the patient before they do these surgeries and like that's that's really impressive stuff so you know, I think there it will be very interesting uh, and very innovative over the next few years, um, and it will be interesting to see how uh, people are focused on the um, accessibility uh, of this imaging uh, is where I'm the most focused on. Awesome, very good. Hey, so as we wind down for you know what you know for the if you had to give our listeners you know a thirty second takeaway from our conversation today, what would that be? Yeah, um, I think uh, I would really encourage you to think about, you know, where your patients are getting imaging today and what's going on in the world today. You know, with COVID, there's a lot of financial hardship going on for your patients. Um, separately for the imaging centers, there's a lot of financial hardship and they're willing to negotiate to fill up utilization. And it's a great time for us to get out there. Um, I would think about that. I would think about how you're enabling your patients uh, to have tools to make their own decisions as well. Uh, things like Menmo and things like Menmo, but for other verticals. Um, and lastly, I would say, please reach out <laughs> if you're interested in hearing more uh, or, or have any feedback on our model. You know, I think one of the most important things for us is engaging with our audience uh, and building this product more and more from the lens of our end users being physicians and patients. Um, so we always love feedback. Uh, we're always open to being flexible and doing new things um, uh, and really just happy to connect uh, with what's going on in the market right now. Awesome. Hey, Lucas, thanks so much. I mean, I love, I love the alignment. I think, you know, it, you know, beyond, you know, the pure clinical care piece, there's that social mission um, that we're all trying to do and, and so much synchrony in that. So um, thank you so much for joining us. I, I know our listeners got some great information um, and uh, look forward to continuing to working with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us and learn more about how healthcare can be affordable, comfortable, personalized, and easily accessible at Four Elements Direct Primary Care in two locations in Connecticut, both South Windsor and Rocky Hill, by checking out www.4elementsdpc.com. To learn more about Medmo's innovative approach to accessing radiology services, check out www.medmo.com. And signing off until our next episode, stay safe and stay tuned as we revolutionize primary care together. 